The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Um, Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Wash my hands. I don't touch my face. I stay at home. Shelter in place. Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves Stay away from church I avoid old folks And should I sneeze I do it in my elbow Or up my sleeve Six feet
there from Ray Stevens kicking off this third half of our three-hour tour. My guest this hour is uh, really interesting and quite fun. He's uh, a podcaster turned author. You might be familiar with his podcast. Over 400 million downloads means that somebody out there is uh, checking it out. But he's turned it into a book. It's uh, His uh, podcast is 99% Invisible and he tells stories. Uh, put forth in a journalistic kind of way about things that we don't see even in our own neighborhoods and he's done a book about it called the 99 percent invisible city and uh, we're going to talk about that with podcaster turned author roman mars straight ahead hey welcome back everybody uh This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is the host of the popular podcast, 99% Invisible. He has a new book that is uh, going on sale this month uh, called, appropriately, The 99% Invisible City, A Field Guide to the Hidden World of Everyday Design. His name is Roman Mars. He joins me by phone. Roman, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Roman, I mentioned that you're host of this popular podcast, 99% Invisible, um, with with over 400 million downloads. What makes you want to turn it into a book? <laughs> I mean, it's a good question. I mean, the, the main thing was, you know, like we've told, you know, now I, I published the 415th episode this week, and we've told all these stories about, you know, kind of everyday things about, you know, curb cuts and manual covers and streets and sometimes big designs and little designs. And there's something about, like, all the knowledge of those stories locked into this linear audio format that, you know, like, if, if you remember, if you heard a show and you go, like, I remember the story of who did the first curb cuts in Berkeley, California, but I can't remember. And you have to remember, like, how I titled it, you know, like, and then listen to the 30-minute conversation about it. And uh, and sometimes it'd be nice just to have a book and then flip through and say, oh yeah, I I know exactly where to find that in my little piece of information. So it kind of unlocks all this um, knowledge that we've sort of created over the years. And in in addition to that, there's a bunch of stuff that we really couldn't do on uh, a radio show. And uh, so there's the you know like half of the stories in the in the book have you know no precedent on the show at all. So so it was just sort of a good time to do it. Are you able to use um, photographs and illustrations and things that you don't 
have when you do the audio only version? Yeah, I mean, there are no photographs, but there are definitely there are tons of illustrations, and we wanted to keep at least the level of, of abstraction to have um, illustrations because we still sort of believe in the you know the concept of conjuring these images in your mind and why that the power of radio, even when you're telling stories about design, which tends to be pretty visual. It's still the story and the problem solving that matters the most rather than the aesthetics of the thing that we're talking about. Yeah, because really the whole thing is kind of about visuals because you talk about discovering in, in some ways hidden masterpieces as well as hidden history in buildings and structures right in your own neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is to me, the story of design that's told, you know, less often the one that we focus on is the story of like history. And, and, you know, we really tell stories about who we are through the lens of the things we build. And it doesn't really matter what it looks like all the time. I mean, it, it, it matters less than other people do when they cover design the way, you know, they cover design in the general sense. And so, like, I really love to tell the story of a thing and have you not be prejudiced by the whether or not you think that building is beautiful. I'd rather you be intrigued by why it is the way it is, what the choices are about. And, you know, if you want to look later, then that's great. And, you know, I, I love pretty things. There's, I have no objection to pretty designs. But I, I really like to tell the story of things. And, and to, for me, the visuals are, you know, they're super secondary. Like, the story can carry its own weight without it. Well, and you talk about things like, you know, curb cuts and <laughs> um, fire hydrants and and uh, and the like. And, and it reminds me of how fascinated I was when I recently heard that a man in Ann Arbor, Michigan, years ago, invented... Um, Street lines, you, you, you know street the, lines? the the actual lines that like when you drive down a divided highway and there's the dotted line <laughs> and the very exactly. the the lane markings. A guy totally came terrible. up. A guy came up with that. They did, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like it, when you, the 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 funny thing about everyday design, the thing that we run across all the time, is that when you encounter it all the time, you don't really even think about the fact that someone had to invent it. You know, it seems just so part of your life that its origin is just is sort of like, it's so elusive. And so one of the things we do is, you know, when appropriate, we, we find, you know, the origin of a thing and, and talk about it. And, you know, it's not that, um, it, 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 you know, it's like, it, it's like, but sometimes we just tell the most interesting story of a thing. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's our, that's our, um, our habit is just to tell us, you know, like rather than tell you always like the origin of a traffic light, for example, we'd like to tell you like the most interesting story of a traffic light, which is the traffic light in Syracuse, New York, where the green is above the red is a sort of statement of Irish pride, you know, like and, <laughs> and there, was a real, there was a fight over it for about a hundred years. You couldn't have unionist red over republic green and um oh, and so funny. and so rather than and, and and as a guide to the city we're not really you know like the, the the joke of the book is like oh you're going to a city uh here's your book your guidebook to the city <laughs> you know like any city will do um but but the reason is is because we use the things that you encounter to to tell you something interesting about you know that that thing in the world so whether the the specific example is in syracuse new york or you know in wayne county or in 
uh, or in Barcelona or something, it's still like the most interesting thing that we can think of about the mundane object that's sitting right in front of you in whatever city you're in. Um, and th- those are the fun stories to tell. And I was reading something, uh, a description of the book, and and at one point it said uh, um, that after you know reading this book and um, and and talking with you, that listeners will be stopping to read every plaque, contemplating <laughs> every bike line, lane, and and wondering about all the behind the scenes stuff. Well, it and it reminded me of. Um, a spring break uh, trip I took with my kids when they were little, and my youngest daughter was learning to read. And we were getting so frustrated with her because she was stopping for every little opportunity to practice reading. <laughs> and and it just slowed down our role, you know. Um, <laughs> but um, do we really learn from the usual plaques? that we see the placards usually it's something like you know this this building was constructed with you know a gift from you know the yeah. kellogg foundation or something <laughs> yeah i would say that there's uh there's definitely a wide range of value when it comes to historical markers and plaques and and um but i do we we have a, our mantra is always read the plaque and so we were we're definitely on your daughter's side of the, <laughs> uh, of the argument when it comes to these things and it and the in the main thing is like you, you should always read the plaque because knowing you know that, that there's this information layer on the built environment that's worth paying attention to but you shouldn't always treat the plaque as fact which is super clear because these is like historical plaques are written by the winners and you know there's a there's a huge you know gap in what was actual history and what was um and, and when it's like often markers are sort of they're they really sort of like a point to the moment that the plaque was erected more than the moment that it's being depicted you know like so there's like all kinds of monuments in the 1920s that were put in that were um that don't really reflect you know, like that, that talk about the Civil War, but they were really sort of, you know, whitewashing history in terms of, you know, the culpability of the South and, and the war. And so these were all done in the 1920s when that, that was the mood of the moment. So you need to be, you need to interrogate plaques and monuments and stuff, but they're still worth reading so that you can begin to arm yourself with what the world, you know, what the, the world is telling you. And so, you know, like a lot of them are super mundane, you know, like a lot of them, one of my favorites is just like it describes the, the very, very painfully boring incorporation of a town in Colorado. <laughs> and it's just, so it's like it's like to, to secure land rights, this this community and this community merged and they voted to do this. And this is the origin of the town. It was the most boring mundane block ever. But there's something about that, that somebody felt that that was important enough to etch in stone. And, and to tell it in such a boring way, which still tells you something about what their priorities were, which is fascinating to me. You know, like, so I can find joy in even the dullest of plaques, to tell you the truth. <laughs> they give the guy the assignment to, to write the copy for the plaque, and he does a <laughs> book report. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> More with popular podcast host and author Roman Mars. Straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Sumner Program.com. 
this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program.com. More with popular podcast host and author Roman Mars straight ahead. Roman, what got you interested, not just in, in design, but the inside baseball part of it, the hidden world of design? Well, I just, yeah, I've always been a pretty curious person. I studied science for a long time. I, I think the, the, one of the things that really spurred my interest in, in this sort of to focus it was I was living in Chicago for a little while. I was working at a big radio station in Chicago called WBEZ. And there's so much architectural history in Chicago. It's a beautiful city. Oh, yeah. And I went on an architectural boat tour that the, that the Architect Society puts, puts together. And they go on the river, and a docent describes the, the buildings. And it was the first time that I had heard stories about buildings, which even though you have this beautiful vantage, and you're on the river on this big boat, and it's lovely, I felt like there were the stories being told didn't necessarily require me to see them either. They were just interesting. And I was already working in radio. And it was my first time I thought, well, maybe you could sort of cover architecture in a meaningful way on the radio. And so the, you know, I just wanted to sort of take that curiosity and, and I just like the, the challenge of it to me, what was fun was like, was taking the most mundane object and trying to tell the most interesting story about it. That the producing challenge, the writing challenge, the sort of creativity challenge is that delta between you know, getting someone excited about a curb cut or um, or a manhole cover, you know, it was it was about trying to get something as as boring as possible or everyday as possible, and 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 really intrigue you with with you know the thing I found about it. And so, you know, that was that was kind of it for me. Like I like that as a challenge. I like it as a as an exercise. And and I'm also just I'm just a person that's you know pretty you know like I get I find a lot of delight in these things. And so that was, that's that's where it's been driving me for the past ten years. <laughs> it's it's like uh, reading the the um, stuff that's uh, stamped into the plumbing in the men's room at the urinal. You totally. know, standard American crane. You know, there's all there's a stamp there to tell you, you know, who made sure that this thing was here. <laughs> yep, yep, and and like with like sidewalk stamps in particular, that's one of my particular fascinations. So like there's like like there's a often a requirement in some cities to, that the person who, or the construction company that does the house, you know, does, finishes the sidewalk and they put their mark in the sidewalk and they're all over the place here where I live in, in Berkeley. And uh, uh, there, you just can read the history of this town, like etched into the sidewalk. And I, I, I just, I love that stuff. You know, <laughs> like, you know, they, they'll even have union numbers built into them. So like, you can go to the union office and look up the person who laid that piece of sidewalk, who smoothed it out, you know, 70 years before. Um, it, it's uh, it's stunning to show, like, all the little clues and, you know, and, and all the information that's built in, if, if you just know enough to look. Well, you know, the the show that I do is based in in Flint, Michigan, and everybody in the world knows about the problems we've had with uh the infrastructure for our municipal yeah. water. Um, but one of the interesting, you know, sort of uh, parenthetical things that has come up is this 
um, fact that a lot of people in Flint now know more about the water infrastructure, the pipes underground, than they ever knew before. And it was fascinating to discover, for example, there are still some wastewaterways that are made of wood. Mm-hmm. They're that sure. old in Flint and uh, and I guess in Detroit as well. Um, yeah, that it and, goes... and even those that were reinforced with wood were probably natural underwater rivers for a long time too. It's it's pretty stunning, you know, like how but the legacy of the things that we use is is quite old. And it, it's and I'm I'm still wondering what. Um, was it was it just your innate curiosity that got you looking behind these uh, various edifices? Yeah, pretty much. I would say innate curiosity, and also just a kind of like a, an appreciation for when things are done well. I mean, the the show is called Ninety Nine Percent Invisible because there's this notion that um, you really only notice bad design. You notice the type of design that you hit your head against all the time, or or, or like literally like. A stovetop, for example, you could live in a house for 50 years and you can still never really remember which knob turns which burner on. You know, like you really <laughs> have to focus. Right. And it's one of those things. And Or, or there's a, like a bank of light switches, three light switches. They're, they're in my foyer. They, they operate different <laughs> light sockets in my house. I have to think through a kind of mnemonic to remember which light switch goes to which. And that's bad design. And we run across bad design and we notice it and we think this is bad design. And one of the things about good design is good design is invisible. And so because it just works and we're used to it working. And I was intrigued to explore the areas of even of good design, the invisible design, and talk about the stories of it and how it's successful in different ways. And, you know, and, and explore the idea that the reason why, you know, it's invisible is because it's good. And think about all the thought that goes into things that most people don't think about. And, and and then it sort of like hit upon this time where in addition to like those types of, you know, like explorations, that type of curiosity hit this sort of internet moment where people online could find each other arguing about the qualities of a font on a movie poster. You know, like the, the, the sort of tolerance and, uh, and exaltation in detail is a huge part of like what people talk about online. And so I think sort of design awareness is an all time high. And so that combination of things is the sort of source of what keeps, you know, the the show going and, and keeps people interested in it. The, um, when you were talking about the stove and, and not knowing which, which knobs work, which burners I could, I, it, all of a sudden it flashed in my mind how embarrassingly old I was when I, finally learned that cars have a little gas uh, pump icon positioned in such a way to indicate which side of the car you put the gas in. Yeah, yeah, because for some reason that's the thing we never remember. It's totally, it's hard to remember. But often there's a, on the dashboard, you see there's a little icon of a gas pump and then I'll have a little arrow carrot pointing in which direction that the the, which one the, the side of the, the gas tank is on. And, yeah, I, I don't think I learned that until a few years ago. I mean, the, the, truthfully, they're not always there, you know. And then sometimes there's, there's some notion that, like, um, it's a picture of a gas pump and whatever side the, you know, the pump handle is on is what's supposed to indicate it. 
but uh, it's not it, it, it's not um, it's not uniform, and so it is pretty. It is not unusual that you wouldn't know it. So I would forgive yourself at least a little bit on this. <laughs> um, you mentioned um, taking that that tour in Chicago and and having mm-hmm. someone sort of telling stories about the the different places and so on. And I think of there are so many tours like that. Um, I, I, I was thinking of one that they do around Flint that that is focused on. Uh, on just the old churches mm-hmm. and and the whole point of it is to look at the different designs that were used in in these different churches but it's it's all what you initially see it's all about the impression made by the building itself yeah and they yeah. don't always go into you know what went behind it now when I was in elementary school, and I don't know if you'll find this interesting or not, Roman, but we used to go on a field trip to a local cemetery. Mm-hmm. And it was because the people buried there were the people that all the streets in Flint were named after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it was so weird. It was like taking a tour of the city, walking through the cemetery, and then and then you start thinking... It, it reminds you that the street names are after people who actually did exist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is really a, sort of awakening that curiosity through that type of tour is exactly the type of thing that we're trying to do all the time. And to know that, you know, every joint, every scene, every street is probably decided on by a person, like designed by a person, and then named after somebody else is um, I think it makes the world kind of rich and interesting and colorful. I think it makes it, it makes it, I feel taken care of. Like ever since I'm not like naturally wired to be an optimistic person, um, <laughs> but, but the, 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 but since I've done the show for 10 years, um, I have become a bit more so because I know all the thought that goes into things and the care that people um Think, you know, go through when they when they design things, and therefore I see the world and feel the world differently because of that. And and uh, and then the hidden histories is just sort of lets me notice and be aware. And, and and there's so much of our interaction with the city that's really painful. You know, like that has a lot of pain points. There's like, oh sure, you know, park parking signs are terrible. No one knows where you can park when. But they're, there's sort of like a mess of rules and you don't you don't like them and um, parking meters can be broken and there's all these interactions with the city which are which are, are pretty bad and and you know as you mentioned flint and water that's a, you know like that's you know and, and deadly and horrible and so if you can notice those moments where you are taken care of um and um live in places that that have those thoughts uh, where they're thoughtfully taking care of the infrastructure and the people, then um, it, it can help you operate a little bit better in the world and, uh, and you know, maybe even tackle the problems that you think you can. Well, and, and so, when you look uh, at some of these things that have been around for a hundred and, and in some cities hundreds of years, um, you get this sense that people built things to last. 
Yeah, they, they, they did. I mean, especially, I mean, you mentioned those churches. I mean, they're really trying to do something there. They're, like, there's definitely, you know, the thought behind church architecture in many cases is to, you know, is to, you know, like at least the Catholic church, church architecture was really to sort of give you an example of like, this is the best thing we can do. You know, like, this is, this is it. We're going to draw you in to, to illustrate like, the amazing things we can accomplish and, and how that and how that reflects their vision of God. And so, you know, I, I just I like those things to be a reflection of the moment and the values of the time. And there was a real, I think, different notion of of the different values um, at different eras. For for example, you know, like Capitol buildings, a lot of them were built at a, at a period of time in, a, in what's called the Beaux-Arts style, which is really, you know, it, it's the reason you have domes, and the domes are sometimes, you know, covered in gold, and they have all this filigree and this, you know, busyness to them. And it sort of represents a time when, you know, we thought of government as being, you know, like like something you should you should make the prettiest, fanciest thing to represent what the government is. And then later on, you know, there was a different notion of what, you know, government meant. And a lot of the buildings look more brutalist and they're big concrete slabs and they're functional. And, and there was, there was no room for ostentation or spending money that is unnecessary. And that was the function of government. And you can see the values built into the built world. And I find that stuff really fascinating. And I, I don't, and I try to view it without too much of a value judgment as to you know, what the priorities were at the time and just sort of like, just enjoy the fact that you can see it, you know what I mean? And so like, I happen to believe that, uh, you know, like I like things built beautifully to last. Um, there's, but there's lots of reasons why you don't build things to last. So you don't need, you know, uh, concrete roads that, um, last forever. Um, cause road routes can change and you know, there's lots of reasons to, to, to not do them. And, and, and so it's 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 always a balance of values. I just like how that the built environment is a window into into seeing what those values are. How do you go about getting the the inside information and and the hidden world of everyday design? We just we talk to people, and so like you know we do a show that's a sort of storytelling show that usually has you know two or three different voices and they're put together. Um, and uh, and yeah, we just we interview people, research, uh, and it's sort of the sort of classic journalism, you know. And, and yeah, and, and you know, and a lot of times you don't, you, know, you talk to historians, you don't have the source if we're talking about something really old. But but we we do talk about modern things too, and and we just try to get the, the closest person involved that we possibly can. What are some of the um, strangest or, or most unusual? facts that you've learned in researching a story <laughs> oh my goodness um i was so this is so since i do so much so many episodes like they kind of like uh leave my brain as soon as yeah <laughs> i'm not trying to put you on the spot roman i just thought but, but i can tell you i can tell you one from yesterday like literally i had an edit yesterday where there it's about it's about sign stealing in baseball. And, uh, and so, you know, so we cover design in a very broad sense. It's not just sort of like this, like sitting infrastructure and stuff. And so, right. Um, and, and I learned that, uh, catchers crouch behind home plates, mostly to hide their signals. 
you know, they used to stand up and just like bend over to catch the ball. Um, and so catchers uh, began crouching to stop people from seeing their signals as in, as in baseball's infancy in that sort of 19, in around 1900. And uh, I was just kind of blown away by that. I was like, really? That's the reason? <laughs> it seems so natural. It seems like that's what you should do. You should be there where the ball shows up. But no, they, they, they stood up and they bent down and catch the ball most of the time. And when um, it's when signaling and then, and then consequently signed feeling in the war between sign feeling and signaling like was, was uh, happening. Um, you know, the, the, the way that catchers coped was by crouching down and, and doing their like finger signals to the pitcher th- between their legs so that the third base coach couldn't see it. And it was just something like that where it's like, it's like that. I would never have thought that that, that was the impetus for that sort of thing. And, it, and it, it may be a little apocryphal. Everything with baseball origins always are. <laughs> like <laughs> no one really knows anything because, it, you know, it's so widespread and everything changed in lots of different ways. But, but still, it, it, it's those little things, those little details that tend to sort of spark my interest the most. Like I, I, I love those little things that sort of like, that delight me and, and sort of like, um, to help me see the world in a different way. But that's the type of thing that really you know, now, intrigues me. Now, the new book, The 99% Invisible City, A Field Guide to the Hidden World of Everyday Design, which goes on sale this month, um, how much of that is taken from the shows you've done, and or, or did you look for things to be specific to the book? Yeah, there's a lot that's specific to the book. I would say it's about, it's kind of like 50-50, but even the stuff that's based on the book was all kind of re-researched and redone because the presentation of doing it on the radio is totally different. So so it's a much you know denser set of like stories and, and information. And so like you could, and trust me, I was present for every single episode of that show <laughs> and I barely remembered it. You know, so so there's there's a bunch of stuff that's brand new, and even the stuff that has some basis, like we you know we've done a story about fire escapes, for example. But and there's a, a thing about fire escapes, but like you know there's a there's a bunch of new information that's presented in a different way, and you you get a chance to go back and correct things, and you know get things better, and say things clearer, and stuff like that. And so so um, even like really super fans of the show uh, will learn a ton if, in fact i mean if they can remember all of it i'd be shocked with that within the show but <laughs> but but uh it, it'll feel all new it certainly felt new to me when i was you know putting it together um this is your first book uh roman do you anticipate more well i mean that's the worst thing there's the worst time to ask me this it, well actually probably about six months ago was the worst time to ask me because when it was done i wanted to uh, never uh, look at a book again <laughs> so, so, so i'm gonna i'm gonna say right now it feels pretty good it's coming you know it's coming out um and it you know some people have seen it some people are really excited about it so now it feels like oh yeah we're totally doing the book again but i have to tell you like a few months ago i felt like uh this is never a thing i would take on again i mean the main issue is that a book is this huge massive project it takes years um and i also have a weekly deadline that i have to put out a show you know every tuesday and if there's anything worse than having you know a two-year-long deadline for something big a big project it's having a tiny set of deadlines, like a series of deadlines, you know, in addition to that. So every time uh, I can always distract myself every single week with the show. And so it keeps pushing off the, the book and it pushes off the book and pushes off the book. And so it's so hard to make, but I can tell you this, um, you know, 
it's nice to connect with a new audience. It's nice to um, give something to the fans who are, you know, really into it. And that feels so good that I can't imagine if there was an opportunity to do another book. I, 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 I'm sure I would do it. <laughs> it's just the, it's just like childbirth. I'm, I'm, I'm told that you don't remember the pain of childbirth. It's the only reason why people have kids over and over again. Oh, that's fabulous. Um, the, I guess we're we're getting pretty close to the end of our time, Roman, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and, of course, about the podcast and and uh, and the book. Sure. Sure. So um, the, the show is called 99% Invisible. It's about design. You can search for it on any sort of podcast app that you might use. It's online at um, 99percentinvisible.org or 99pi.org and um, the book is called The 99% Invisible City. You can get it everywhere you get books. We also have a link on our website to, to buy it and uh, yeah, so that's the best way to find me is through the show. Is this kind of a tough time to be coming out with a book? Well, actually books are doing pretty well like in sort of the terms of the market of things i think people have a little less disposable income but in general like they have a little there's a sense they have a little bit more time and one of the things that we you know we never anticipated when we were designing the book and coming up with it is that it's this it's this field guide to exploring and finding wonder in the place that you're immediately around in your neighborhood in your city you don't have to travel to find wonder and joy and so, in a way, it's a perfect book for the moment because you don't have to travel to some exotic location to find something kind of amazing. You can just go down to your corner and go like, oh, those little squiggles of street graffiti, I know I can decode the colors of that. And I know that there's a telecommunications line because that piece of, of spray paint is orange. And if those things delight you, you know, or, or understanding the, you know, the symbols on you know, a kind of a manhole cover or something, you know, if that sort of stuff delights you, then we have a guide to finding wonder where you are, you know, and, and you can travel through that. And so it's kind of a, it's kind of an appropriate book for the time, but again, nothing we would ever have anticipated for sure. Well, that's great. And I, I wish you all the best of luck and thanks for spending this time with me, Roman. My pleasure. I really appreciate your interest. It's nice to talk to you. All right. Take care. That was uh, Roman Mars, host of the popular podcast 99% Invisible. Um, he has a new book this uh, that goes on sale this month, uh, month of October. The uh, 99% Invisible City, a field guide to the hidden world of everyday design. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs>
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. It may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. 
alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Well, the American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. When I look at their plan that talks about advancing testing, creating new PPE, developing a vaccine, um, it looks a little bit like plagiarism, which is something Joe Biden knows a little bit about. Well, let's get so back. No, but Susan, I, this is important. Susan, I, I, and I, I want to add, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have to I'm speaking. In. You can so have 15 I, I more wanna, seconds, and then we'll give the vice president a chance to So respond. I want to ask the American people, how calm were you when you were panicked about where you're going to get your next roll of toilet paper? How calm were you when your kids were sent home from school and you didn't know when they could go back? How calm Thank were you, you Thank when you, your Senator children Harris. couldn't see your parents because you were afraid they could kill them? The fact that you continue to undermine public confidence in a vaccine, exactly. if the vaccine emerges during the Trump administration, I think is is unconscionable. And Senator, I, I just ask you, stop playing politics with people's lives. If you have a pre-existing condition, heart disease, diabetes, breast cancer, they're coming for you. If you love someone who has a pre-existing not, condition, thank you. Thank they're you, coming Harris. for you. If not you are under the age of 26 on your parents' coverage, they're coming for you. The vice president earlier referred to, as part of what he thinks is an accomplishment, um, the, the president's trade war with China. You lost that trade war. You lost it. Um, lost the trade war with China. Joe Biden never fought it. Joe Biden has been a cheerleader for communist China through over the last several decades. I will not sit here and be lectured by the vice president on what it means to enforce the laws of our country. I am the only one on this stage who has personally prosecuted Everything from child sexual assault to homicide. Are you and Joe Biden, if somehow you win this election, going to pack the Supreme Court to get your way? I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864... Well, I'd like you to answer the question. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. I just want the record to reflect she never answered the question. So maybe the next debate... Joe Biden will answer the question, but I think the American people know the answer. Thank you, Vice President. We're about freedom and respecting the freedom of the American people. Let's talk about respecting the American people. You respect the American people when you tell them the truth. You respect the American people when you have the courage to be a leader speaking of those things that you may not want people to hear, but they need to hear so they can protect themselves. But this administration stood on information that if you had as a parent, if you had as a worker knowing you didn't have enough money saved up, and now you're standing in a food line because of the ineptitude of an administration that was unwilling to speak the truth to the American people. 
is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy caught in a landslide? No escape from reality. Open your eyes. Look up to the skies and see. I'm just a poor boy. I need no sympathy. Cause I'm easy come, easy go, little high, little low, any way the wind blows, doesn't really matter to me, to me. Mama, just kill a man. Put a gun against his head Pulled my trigger Now he's dead Mama Life had just begun But now I've gone and thrown it all away Mama Didn't mean to make you cry time tomorrow carry on carry on as if nothing really matters too late my time has come sent shivers down my spine Body's aching all the time. Goodbye, everybody. I've got to go. Gotta leave you all behind and face the truth. Mama. Oh. I don't want to die. I sometimes wish I'd never been born at all. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, get a moose, will you do the fandango? Has a devil put aside for me, for me. 
nothing really matters Anyone can see Nothing really matters Nothing really matters to me Uh, William Shatner <laughs> and uh, our a new song for Schlocktober 2020 he took on Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen and before that some snippets from last night's vice presidential debate managed to squeeze those in on top of a very full schedule thanks again to uh, podcaster turned author Roman Mars from 99% Invisible also um an interesting conversation with uh, Andy Shen, the Senior Oceans Advisor at Greenpeace about child labor in the uh, Taiwan fishing industry. Also had a chance to talk to um, Tora Shea Pruden, who uh, is a contributing writer to National Geographic Kids' uh, new uh, installment called Girls Can. And before that, of course, uh, Kwame Mbalia, who's being presented by Rick Riordan for his uh, book, Tristan Strong Destroys the Universe. Anyway, we'll see you Monday morning at 9. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.